I know well, I know you would have watched loads of it because you're a wonderful human. Um, but the nicest thing uh, Steve said to me in a while. Somebody record that. Write that down. <laughs> And welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm an idiot. And I'm so foolish. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the idiotic idleman. Al, what's an idleman? Uh, it's like a... Basically, it's you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's the male equivalent of ladies who lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so a, Such a, a prick. A gentleman of leisure. Men who munch? I... Men who munch. That's Fucking something else. Hell. <laughs> These men who munch. Hey, uh, right there. Hi, cat. Hello, um, Jess. He hasn't had a shit for two days, and he just did one, and now he's gone fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> he's like so proud of himself because he did a massive shit. Uh, for those of you wondering what the fuck we're talking about, there's a massive cat on screen. Um, Relatively so, a gentlemen, tiny cat actually, but no, he's on because uh, he's close to These the camera. Cats that's are close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, gentlemen, how are we? How is everyone? Al, what have you been up to? Um. So this weekend I went down to the London. Ooh, the London. Ooh. Um ate some burgers, visited some museums, walked a lot, went to not one but two Moomin shops. Ooh. Um The Moomin still scare me though. Yeah, creepy. Um yeah. which was nice. Uh what I like about London is you can leave. If you don't live there, you can leave. <laughs> That's the best part about going to London. Um and also because I took the train there instead of driving, um, it meant I could watch like five episodes of uh, Firefly on the way there and back. Nice, which was nice. Um, which was nice. Which was nice. Uh, in terms of any form of making, I've unmade the carport in my driveway because after six years of damp, mold, and uh, disintegrating render, uh, the landlord is finally coughing up uh, to pay for the decrepit fascia of the house and all the rendering and plasterwork that's falling off hey so which is which which is nice uh but it does mean i've got to take the car park <laughs> down so just so they can get to it and strip it all down and shit like that which is nice uh amazing that sounds so it's not just awesome. american houses that fall apart Brett. it's english houses as well yeah. well you know but then your house is probably older than america this is true yeah. <laughs> um fuck sex uh Brett, what about you? What has been falling down in your house? No. This week? The house is still good because I built it. Okay. Yay. Uh, <laughs> right. That face. Those eyes are brilliant. <laughs> so since uh, last we recorded, I was in uh, Moss Landing for the install. And yes. I worked through like the final bits of details. Uh, after I got off with you guys and it was really just a question of putting everything in place, making sure it looked correctly and then the, getting the fire pit dolled up because it was the wrong color, drilling some holes, installing it, Bob's your uncle, boop. And then uh, my client, John, was pretty keen on uh, chatting out some different projects that he had and Although I thought he was supposed to be in town for another day or two and maybe hang around and help him work on some other stuff or at least concept some other things, he had to take off because he's an insanely busy guy. So I beelined it back. I just kind of packed up after we had like a little lunch meeting. And then, uh, you know, I, I had 
purchased some snacks while I was there, and it was all well and good. It was a seven-hour drive back. No big deal. Kind of unloaded everything at the house and threw the snacks and stuff in the fridge. Well, I wanted to take one day to myself when I got back, celebrate, relax a little, and I ate said snacks that I kept the night before, which had warmed (laughs) up in the car ride for seven hours, and... Come to find out that if you eat snacks that have yeah. come down from temperature or raised up from temperature, whatever. Uh, All I, I can think of poison? is that um, that egg mayonnaise sandwich that Fry gets from the yep. station. Yep. <laughs> I got worms, uh, and they weren't the good ones. So I spent 48 hours in just, I was a complete wreck. It was horrible. I've never experienced that before, so that was a new one. Uh, and then third day on, I felt a little bit better and I kind of just started to get up and move around and by golly, is all your energy gone and you just have no (laughs) hydration in your system. So yeah, it was a little bit more of a recovery than I wanted. I obviously didn't want to experience that at all. So I feel like I'm making up for those lost couple of days that I was going to try and get a little bit of side work done for the house. So yesterday and today have been... I built, I don't know, 90% of a little media cabinet that'll go underneath my TV. And then I'm starting on the thing that's above that. So it goes media cabinet, TV, and then I have that mini split air conditioner unit that everybody knows. It's like a little rectangular bubble on your wall. I'm doing a cover for that using the same cedar and I'm just going to make it kind of look nice. It's a cover but it will serve a function and maybe just hold some tchotchkes and things. So I've been doing woodwork. Reminder, woodworking is dirty and gross, and I hate it. Yep. And it's, I don't know why anybody does woodworking. It's really not fun. No. No. Not fun at all. And and a reminder that just like five other pieces of machinery would be like, wow, I could do this in an afternoon. No problem (laughs) if I had a joiner and a thicknesser and a saw that cuts straight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know here we are so I, i'm making progress today's probably the last day that i'm going to work on that house stuff for now uh and then we'll get back to other works nice yeah sounds good man i mean the the food poisoning doesn't sound good but everything else sounds dude positive, i at least. cannot believe anybody who's dealt with it oh my gosh like yeah i i would hear people reference it oh, like, oh i got food poisoning i'm like oh you ate something bad you got a tummy ache whatever <laughs> yeah no no. Not my back yeah. hurts. Yeah, <laughs> it was my kidneys. Hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kidney. I had to yeah. look it up because I was yeah. like, "Are my kidneys supposed to hurt?" And they were like, "Well, you're poisoned." De- yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the filtration yeah. and all those muscles it, squeezing and no water. Ugh. This is exactly why I can't eat from Domino's anymore because <laughs> food poisoning once and yeah. never again. Dude, I had a hard time going to the grocery store yesterday i was like "Ooh, i'm gonna get some of these things and i'm like those are the same snacks that poison me <laughs> it's gonna be dry, dry toast i bought stuff for salads uh, for like a week i was like no we're just moving on to greens <laughs> anyway what have you been up to steve uh i have had a relatively quiet week to be fair um we're obviously still like uh, just cracking on with everything, trying to get everything finished up before the the move. Um, there's been a few uh, discussions, obviously, since my announcement. Um, 
but things seem to be fairly amicable, which is nice, which is exactly what I was hoping for. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting week. Um, there was a, there was an unspoken parenthesis for now, as you said that, Steve. It's like it seems to be really amicable for now. <laughs> uh, but, but no, it's it's good. I um, yeah, I'm glad everyone's able to to move forwards well. Um, but yeah, uh, aside from like work stuff, um, I've, I've had a few good conversations with people. Um, obviously there's been a lot of people asking me questions about what's happening, what the plan is. Uh, there is no plan. Um, I'm, I, I think I can officially announce it, but basically in September I'm going over to America or the, the States, um, for a couple of months, uh, I'm going to be staying with Chris Cash, um, doing some bits with him, uh, obviously doing Maker's Camp, um, and then coming back. So I'm I'm kind of sorted until Halloween, um, and then after Halloween, I need to actually knuckle down and figure out the fuck I'm doing with my life. Um, but uh, I've been trying to figure that out for the last 36 years. I still don't have a clue. Um, but yeah, other than that, I... Uh, I was on the Clamp podcast, the Clampcast, Clamp, mm-hmm. Clampcast podcast. I can't remember how it's fucking, I always just call it Clampcast. Um, but yeah, it was on with those guys, which was really nice. Particularly seeing as I can't actually remember if I, or if we've already spiffed, I think we already spiffed Dave's um, podcast, the Making Problems podcast. Um, but it was really cool because I was listening to Morley on that um, this last week. Um, I was actually going to message Morley and be like it was a really really like good chat uh really enjoyed it and at which point I realized that I hadn't heard Clampcast in ages mm. went and checked and realized that it hadn't like when I transferred podcast apps it hadn't transferred over so I had a bunch of them to listen to so I downloaded it or downloaded the latest one and started listening to that and then got a message from Grant being like do you want to do you want to come on the podcast this week it's like this is weird did you see my name um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so I got to chat with those guys, which was really good fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I think yeah. that's 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 kind of it. I think um, Mitch was yeah, not not particularly exciting, but some some good stuff coming out of it. I'm hey man, considering everything I, that's going on, I feel like a light yeah. week for you is absolutely not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. It, it still feels all a bit. It, it all still feels a bit kind of um, surreal at the moment, um, and yeah, I'm just trying to trying to figure things out. I'm I've been going through trying to sort. Out my I just pictured well. like huge ants walking through the <laughs> the forge and like clocks melting on all the uh, tea shelves. <laughs> it's like it's really surreal in the forge. Yes, uh, that to be fair, that's one of the things I'm going to be doing when I go out to see Chris is um, just putting tea shelves all up around the workshop. Um, because I don't think they've got any, which is shocking. Um, but yeah, no, like I say, I've uh, been doing some admin stuff, um, trying to sort out my Patreon in the hopes that when I start actually producing stuff again... You could I just put start. a coaster in all the gun shelves. <laughs> yes. Uh, in the hopes that when I start producing stuff, that I, it's worth actually directing people back to that again. Um, so yeah, it's it's been fun. Um and hectic and wonderful, uh, which segues beautifully into. The, I don't. I, 
I honestly, I was going to try and do it, and I so fucking bleh today. It's really warm. I don't know what it's like up north, but it's fucking hot it's, today. It's, it's very close, Stephen. Muggy. Yeah. It's muggy. We need, really need a bit muggy. of fresh air. That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah, like it's one of those days where you sweat, but it doesn't actually like evaporate off your skin. You're just moist. And um, don't shake your head at me, Brad. See, people don't like uh, the word moist, which is a cliche, but I think the word clammy is more offensive. And I, and the the my imagination builds a much more vivid picture of clammy than See, it does moist. I, I don't really. Like I'm clammy not really balls, like just stuck yeah. to your leg. And they're like they're neither they're neither warm nor cold. They can't decide what temperature they are. But I'm not. I'm not. Like, Moist is just a delicious bread. chocolate cake, or like a, yeah. a lovely the carrot cake, slightly just underdone omelet. Ooh. Ooh, carrot cake. Yeah, yeah, carrot cake. So, but I'm not particularly perturbed by either word in isolation. It's only when you you add it into something else, like you say, like clammy ball <laughs> is disgusting. But clammy, clammy chowder is, is delicious. Fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I quite like a chowder. I like clams. Every now and I, then. Don't know. I just all gets a bit. Yeah. See, I clams. I'm not that fussed about, but you put them in a chowder and <laughs> get to the fucking point already, man. <laughs> I want to talk about my sinks. <laughs> I love this part of the show where you and I just go back and forth, and Brett's just like, "Oh my fucking god, these fucking guys." Um, yeah, fool the masses. So, Al, I'm gonna pass this over to you. <laughs> Don't fucking look at me like that. How was I supposed to segue from this to that? So going going down to the the, the big smoke, uh, as it's known, uh, clams imitation crab. Oh, uh, those sticks! What are they? Crab fool, sticks. Fool the masses saying it's crab. It's not real crab. Molasses. It's pollock. Potatoes and molasses. Oh, molasses. Ooh. Ooh, fuck. So that's my phone. Sorry. Jazz likes um, malt extract. And I've only just realized that cats like malt extract and they need it in their diet. Um, and that's why Tigger likes it. And, and I never made that yeah. connection when I was a kid that Tigger likes malt yeah. I thought it was just a weird thing because he was mental. Because we had, um, we used to have uh, that as um, like licks for the cow. So mm. you, you get like the, the condensed stuff and it would be in these. Yeah, I remember the smell like, going like to farm and pack. it's like, yeah, well, that smells like malt extract. Yeah, and I we used to kind of like puts on your fingers and eat it and be like, oh, this tastes fucking disgusting. <laughs> Except for my brother. My brother really liked it's it. Just, I it was, it's yeah. like sweet marmite. I don't know what your beef is, Steve. Yeah. Beef. It's, yeah. Um, anyway, you digest. Um, so being, being in London, um, where everything is kind of scaled up and replicated every hundred yards, um, and it's full of lots and lots of people. Actually, ironically, it wasn't full of lots of people. And my biggest complaint about london is usually it's just really busy all the time but since the pandemic london is a lot quieter um i don't mm. know if there's fewer people there or i don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's the students all left because it's the holidays i don't know but anyway it was very calm and very nice and it was easy to get around and the tubes weren't fucking rammed uh so it was much more enjoyable and you could walk down the street um, tubes rammed the tube your tube was rammed um and then <laughs> But visiting like markets and things, you realise that there's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of um, bollocks and nonsense that is just catering for the masses, and and the amount of like just really sort of vapid like London tourist shops just selling utter shit. Yeah. 
and you you think like when you go to like Paris or Pisa and you get a little Eiffel Tower keyring or and it's like yeah. this oh yeah because I've been to Paris but then you come here and it's like oh no I've got a teddy bear that's got like a beef eaters outfit on or I've got a yeah. little red London bus but it's fucking everywhere even in like classy shops like Hamleys like the you know one of the oldest toy shops in the world it's just got like floors and floors of shit teddy bears dressed up like the queen yeah. and I'm like who is this for and it's obviously for tourists who want a tacky bit of London yeah. but there's more to London than that there's really interesting things in London like there isn't any city there's amazing wonderful things to discover and little secret nooks and hidden pubs and uh, churches that you've got to walk behind two streets to find because they're hidden and they were hidden for a reason because it was like a secret branch yeah, yeah. of a certain Christianity that people got you know oppressed for following um, so this it's like people are missing the point because they're being catered to and they, and, and it's, it's, yeah. it's like a closed loop it's like they, they think that's what they need to do because that is what's being force fed them yeah. and I think it's a real shame um, as I say because if you if you try a bit harder London can actually be really enjoyable and I'm yeah. the biggest fucking like anti-London person there is but it's 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 almost like it, it, it's it's the catering to the masses that is the problem whereas yeah. you could actually go no try a bit harder dig a bit deeper find these lovely little things find the niche find yeah. the interesting things that you've not done before that that was my mission go to things do things I've never done before yeah. while I was in London and it was like this I mean, is great it, it's like that whole thing of um, you know they they think that everyone wants the teddies because the teddies are getting sold but the teddies are getting sold because everyone wants because the teddies only, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's the only thing and yeah uh, but i think like that so the the kind of the the way that i looked at it um and it was just because i was talking about um takeaways uh last night with someone and like the you saying about like trying to find the 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 thing away from and i, d- I don't mean i don't mean in like a like a hipster like oh you wouldn't have heard of it like no, no i mean in the I was just walking down this street and I didn't know where I was going and it was nice. And then all yeah. of a sudden there was a little boozer on the corner. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that kind of thing. And, it, and it, that is what real life is like. Real life yeah, isn't yeah. this curated like billboard of everybody come to this one place to get you to get your beef eater teddy bears. You know, yeah. I, I can I can go to a random. Uh, right. Here's an example. Prague. Which now, unfortunately, is like um, Brett likes Prague. Well, um, I was going to bring up Prague as the yeah. Of so, so Prague now is like Stagdo Central, yeah. Right? And it's they're in the Euro, and everything is like there's a fucking Tesco's in the middle of like the main square yeah. in Prague now. Yeah. Um, I went to Prague twenty years ago, and I don't mean like I went to Prague before it was cool. I just went to Prague because it was dirt cheap. It was 60p for a yeah. fucking 40, right? Yeah. Um, and my my favorite, living with the rest of my life, this walk, walking down Prague, all the touristy bits, people try to sell you crack on the corner and like titty bars and stuff. And it's like, no, I'm going to walk yeah. away from this square. I'm going to walk down this street. And we just went in this doorway and it was a blue doorway. And it, inside it was this tiny little pub. And the tap on the beer was on constantly 
And basically, the <laughs> bloke behind the bar was just filling up with glasses, putting them there yeah. while it settled, and then filling up the next one and putting them. As, and when he did four in a row, by the time he'd done the fourth one, the first one was ready to skim off, and he could f- start yeah. filling them up again. And basically, it was just beer on draft constantly. <laughs> I was like, "This is it." You know, it didn't yeah. speak a word of English. It was, you know, yeah, like I say, 30, 40 p for a pint, and it was all you needed, and it was glorious. And I remember, I remember the the plaster on the wall. I remember the the like, I think I think it was like a Volvo poster, and you know, <laughs> and I remember the toilet. I remember everything because it was memorable and it was different, and it wasn't the shit they were yeah. peddling in the corner. Yeah, yeah, I think like, I mean, we we i i really like the idea of um of of that of of going like off the beaten track and and finding the the kind of and again like you say it's not the um it's not the the hipster thing of like oh no you wouldn't have heard of it it's it's more about the discovery it's that whole thing of like it's the journey not the destination it's 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 the fun of like me and my friend were talking about doing a holiday around um, Ireland and literally just flipping a, t- a coin every time we came mm-hmm. to a junction to see where we'd end up. And like, we do that for a certain amount of distance and then say like, right, it's got to five in the afternoon. Let's actually try and find somewhere that's near <laughs> here sort of thing. And um, But yeah, doing that and like, just kind of getting away from the tourist traps and from the conventional stuff and all of that. Like I, the, the one that I was going to say about earlier on was um, with uh, like going to a curry house and like not just ordering the chicken tikka masala. masala. Yes, yeah, because everyone like and I say that I can understand like if you've just moved to a new town or whatever and you're trying to find the the one perfect curry house or whatever and you kind of go All right I'm going to try the same dish in each one of these restaurants then yeah I can kind of get that as a way of comparison but. Just look at the fucking, the chef's specials. Look at the chef recommendations. Look at what, like, the, you know, the the house specials are and try them because, like, just try something so, fucking different. So, literally went to, the, went to the new Indian restaurant that's opened just up the road from me. Yeah. Um, it was, like, opening night on Wednesday, which is where they do, for those who don't work in catering, opening night is usually just an absolute carnage free for all they try yeah. everything on the menu they see if it works they see how many people they yeah. can fit in they see if the service staff are fit for purpose that kind of thing it's always just like testing things out yeah it was incredible the best indian food i've ever had in my life nice. and it was exactly like you say steve it, and it wasn't i wasn't trying to pick stuff on the menu the menu was it was like figs and yogurt and and all these Ooh. all these things that are like yeah like Indian food doesn't have to be barges and fucking curry, yeah. you know. And and it was all these wonderful, really light, refreshing vegetable dishes and stuff. I was like, this is fucking amazing, mm. and and totally unexpected, totally blew me away. It's the best food, of, best Indian food I've ever had, and I will absolutely yeah. be back. Sorry uh, to talk yeah, about I'm Indian so- food with your current uh, gastral disposition, Brett. Oh, no, <laughs> I would I would go for some Indian food right now. Yeah, thanks for back on track. Just very quickly. Uh, yeah, Al, I'm also going to go there when I come up and visit you next because that sounds amazing. Um, but yeah, sorry, Brett, you go. Right. So I'm going to try and transition this from food into makery things if I can do it. I thought you were going to say films. I thought you were going to keep on track with the podcast. No, no, no. I mean, they already talked let's, about let's that. Let's talk on about games. Five thirds <laughs> maker waffle fest, whatever. They were making a bunch of jokes about us doing that. So <laughs> I 
I know it's very prevalent in American culture. I know it exists in other tourist cities around the uh, the world, but specifically in America, it's a running joke that something like an Applebee's, you know, if I were to take mm-hmm. either one of you guys to one of our massive chain restaurants, they're so terrible. And the restaurant, or sorry, the menus have been so like perfectly scientifically designed to cater to yeah. as many people's needs, like the masses needs without offering anything too different because there's no reason to pay for those crazy ingredients like figs. Who would want figs on a thing? All of our salads are made with iceberg <laughs> lettuce and yeah. shredded cheddar cheese. So I get really frustrated wanting to explore food because it is something that I used to be really into because of my job when I was younger and now, I don't know, within this last year or whatever, I've started to realize, like, I, I can cook here again. I have been cooking uh, up until the um, food issues that I was having. I'm cooking pretty regularly here, and I'm just trying weird stuff, whatever's in the fridge, you know, playing that game. of like, oh, I bought some good stuff. Let's mix it all together. So when I explore out, I want to do the same thing. I do love Indian food. I love Thai food. There's a Thai restaurant not oh, too far from me, food. but they're uh, they're exactly what you would expect them to be. A Thai restaurant in the desert is going to offer mm. stuff that's going to cater to the masses. So they're not fooling anybody, and their food is genuinely pretty decent. It's not overpriced. It's exactly what it is. When it comes to the making side of things, I feel like I have a lot of the same outlook or issues, and I, I don't want to try and come across as a condescending grump about it but when i see but you do it so well well <laughs> yeah except who you are, I, guess. Fucking right, though. <laughs> I don't like being a grump but i'm fucking right um i really don't like when i see something new come out on the market and it's because of either naivety or just like i'm not paying enough attention to social medias to realize it's been a trend for yeah. a long time and then i see it being replicated i know the running joke jesus christ when are we going to find a new joke for the river tables but that was a technique developed and then people realized it was relatively easy to replicate and the only like differences or garnish that you could put on the plate was what kind of wood you were using oh what did that live edge look like versus this live edge and one of the examples that i have recently that i've seen is uh, people using resin and you do the the beach coast situation where you go from like blue to turquoise and then you put white and then it's the color of your cutting board is the sand and then you take a straw and you blow that all back into each other and it looks like surf. The first time I saw that, I was like, hey, that is pretty neat. It's not insanely complicated. There's a little bit of technique to it, but really it's you're letting the colors mix together and just kind of randomization, yeah. right? And I think I did that with Damascus the first time I heard that getting thrown around when I was first getting into blacksmith. I'm like, look how swirly it is. It's so cool. The reason it doesn't really get my goat anymore is because I feel like enough people figured out how to do it that it's it's difficult for me to see the differences. You know, I can see different patterns that mm. people are creating, but the actual journey, like Steve's talking about, how do they get there is kind of scientifically proven. People have figured out how to flip it, fold it, twist it. Boom. That's what you get. 
And there, yes, there's technique, much like there is in the food and the restaurants and stuff. If you still make a shitty burger, it's a shitty burger. I don't really care what it looks like. But I see these things coming into the maker world, or I see these things take over as trends, and it just reminds me of that same kind of, you're not, I don't think they're actively trying to fool the masses. I, I do think there are some mass-produced ones where they're doing that, but... Mm. These these folks get into it and like, oh my God, that's such a cool technique. I want to try that. And then they do it and then maybe they sell it and then they just get kind of sucked into that. So much like your closed loop that you were talking about at the beginning, it, it's kind of hard to get yourself out of something. If you're trying to support yourself financially, you want to be able to produce the things that are selling. I know that's why a lot of knife makers that I know, like, it's not like they want to make the same knife a thousand times, but that same knife keeps selling a thousand times and they can pay their bills for it good good for them yeah. that's awesome i have a hard time because when i bring up the whole not wanting to be a curmudgeon thing i am in a very specific situation where the majority of my work and because of my background in art and design i've proven enough that i can do one-off gigs and i'm really happy with it now can i deliver on the final product of what's in my head and what we've talked about i sure fucking hope so but I do know it, I'm not the first person to make a steel tentacle at mm. that scale, at that place. No, like no one's done that before. But I've, I've seen so many people making different kinds of tentacles with different techniques and doing all kinds of be- Look at Carl, the custom steel, right? Mm. The friend of Chris's yeah. and everybody's. That guy is bonkers. Talented. He's so talented. And it blows my mind every time he produces something. There's all this sculpting into it. And he's made a bunch of tentacles. He actually messaged me when he saw my story and was like, hey, I'm getting ready to make some of those too. All I said to him was, I'm glad I got mine out before I saw yours. Because (laughs) I know that if I was in the middle of working on them and then saw what he was doing, I'd be like, oh, shit. And I'm not trying to fool anybody. I didn't take those on site and go... I'm the greatest person that's ever made these before and never again will you see them. I wasn't trying to fool anybody with the product I was making. But my journey of getting there and then actually delivering them on site and stuff is what meant something to me. Working with the client, having them be really happy about it. So I know this is a lot that I'm dumping, but it just it gets really frustrating to see these kind of regurgitated things that feel like no one's appreciating the journey. And I know it's difficult to make new stuff, but Jesus Christ. So, yes. Yes, and. Um, totally with you. And I don't think that the, the things that are coming out of that that you're describing, which I totally agree with, are trying to fool the masses. I think they are the masses that have been fooled. So I think all the people making um, surfboard, not cutting boards... They're the ones that have been fooled because yeah. they're missing the point entirely. They're, 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 they've seen a technique and confused that with creativity. And when I was at the um, in London, I went to a couple of markets. So I went to like um, Camden Market and it was, you know, bustling <laughs> and there was shit going on and stuff. But there was just yeah. stall after stall of sh- utter shit, right? Yeah. And so many markets have gone and, and, and it made me think of Sam who we had on last week and his incredibly niche because all of his stuff shit because all his stuff shit no his in, his <laughs> incredibly niche bespoke refreshing approach to a medium yeah. right yeah 
And if I'd have come across a stall of his at Camden Market, I'd have been there all day. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah and yeah. he'd have cleaned up because there was there was one in a hundred stalls that was doing something different and something interesting, something... And I'm not... It doesn't yeah. have to be fucking so unique that, like, oh, I've never seen anything before. It's just it purposeful. And, Steve, this is something you yeah. always talk about, is purpose. Um, it's not just I've seen a technique and I'm just... I, I found out how to do it. Therefore, now all of a sudden, it's like I've bought a camera. Now I'm a photographer. I've bought, yeah. I've bought a pressure pot. Now I'm an artist, and I can make resin yeah. sculptures. It's like no, no, no. You need the creativity in order to do these things. Yeah. The 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 means to get there is just another tool. It's yeah. the it's the bit that you're bringing to the party, which is interesting. It's going to differentiate. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, because like uh, Froom Market, for example, is is going a little bit that way. Like it's always been a great kind of crafters and makers market uh but more and more it's just becoming essentially just a food stall and it's not even like interesting food it's repetitions on a theme it's like three different places selling pies or scotch eggs or whatever but one of the things that i think is a, a little bit of a kind of um it's a bit of a weird one is the fact that like you say catering to the masses yet and I don't mean this as in you specifically, I just mean as in generally, it's said like, you know, you're catering to the masses, but what you're actually doing is you're, so you tend to find that people in those small isolated communities, like Brett was talking about with that Thai restaurant, they have to, they can't go into those niches. Like you can only really go into being in a really specific niche when you're in a position where you have a huge wide mass of people well, by its very definition you, you can't have a niche without the big thing <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um so you, you know it's this weird thing where you know, if you're in a small area you kind of you almost can't do that little niche thing you need this this you need to be in this big um space which is why you get a lot of um artists and speciality things in bigger cities and things like that but i think one of the things that people are kind of even today are still missing out on a little bit is social like what we all fucking use is, is social media like social media gives you the access to those niches um and gives you the access to a huge platform where you know if you've got a little niche business that's in a little village in fucking north wales or fucking joshua tree or fucking wherever like you can still access people in every fucking corner of the globe and being able to use and kind of leverage social media for your own advantage in that sense i think is a really good thing it's a really powerful thing that to me is what things like instagram should be used for it shouldn't be used for just sharing reels of otters no it should be used for sharing reels of otters let's not be fucking silly i saw a sea otter um when i was there did you film it it was far away but it was oh, huge and far away. <laughs> it's massive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's that's the whole point of having a platform like this. And I think it's it's frustrating when a platform like this and or like Instagram, sorry, uh, ends up just catering to the masses and they push everything to to being the lowest common common denominator mm-hmm. to to make money rather than promoting the the real key and the real benefit of it which is those those weird little niches mm-hmm. although i did see a headline yesterday that apparently instagram are going back on some of its 
algorithm changes so that they've realized that they're not going to be the next TikTok and they should just go back to being the same Instagram. Um, so that might hopefully see some benefits, but I, I doubt it. Um, but yeah, sorry, Brett, you go. No, all good. I'm, I'm trying to think about the, the other perspective of what you're talking about, which is, yes, something like social media connects us. And I know we've referenced it before where because people are more connected and they have the access to information, it's also easier for people to kind of call you out if you're like, oh, hey, you totally stole that thing from somebody else or you're trying to be unique. I saw that yeah. six months ago, whatever. Flip side of that or another perspective is I've met some of those people that definitely feel like they're the snake oil salesman rolling through town where they're like, mm, you know what people don't have here? Uh, rusty found art sculptures. And you're like, oh, there's actually quite a few artists in the area that do some pretty great stuff. Like Gubby, Gubby Beck that I uh, spiffed a little while ago. She's super talented. Some of her stuff is found object, but she's she's got a really creative touch to all of those materials and it's it's why i think she has uh a sought after and valuable artistic piece right that people want to buy yeah but in the past i know i've met those people that it's almost like they show up in an area where they they think the market doesn't know right so they are fooling the masses and they're just like well you know I understand that there's a, a gap in the market for this kind of thing out here. Or maybe it's the stalls at all these markets you guys go to where they're just like, oh, I looked around for six months and realized no one was here doing this thing. And maybe no one will be smart enough or no one will like look online to realize that the candles I'm making are just, I ripped the labels off of them and then just stuck some really cheap stickers on them. And I'm like, I made these. So fooling but also like they're smart enough to realize there's a gap in the market and if it makes them a profit in a short stint it's, it's at least the way our economic situation goes a lot of people are just fine making five thousand dollars in a weekend and then being like yep never doing that again doesn't really matter sold out all of my product no value to me or my brand or the candles that i sold people secondhand doesn't really matter i think that's the part that like along with some of the other things that I was saying upsets me is it's almost like you can see somebody coming in. They know the market is foolable and they take advantage of that and they put their, their there's no, I love, 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 love how Al put that. There is no technique and no talent. They've just figured out <laughs> the marketability of it. Right. And they figured out how to yeah. wordsmith their way into you know, making a few sales or making a name for themselves. I get horribly frustrated that people, there are successful people, even on social media, Steve, where you're just like, I don't think you actually bring anything to the table. Talent, technique, oh, gotcha. nothing. Hundreds. And there's so many people that I see on a regular basis that I think for a while when I was a little bit more focused, which, you know, Full transparency, if no one's noticed, I haven't really been on social media and posting videos and stuff a lot over the last few months. But I had to take a, a pretty decent step away from it to realize where all the value that I had to give, but also the value that people were giving to me. Like, I don't want to be fooled anymore. I <clears throat> might sound self-centered, but I think I'm smarter than that. 
but I am also susceptible to getting lost in the in the gray zone or like getting into the clouds a little bit and just going, oh, I, I guess I wasn't really paying attention. I was super into that thing. Now I'm realizing this person's a complete piece of shit. Or this product is a complete piece of shit. Yeah. And it's it's frustrating, but I do like I have to give myself a pat on the back every time I realize it and then okay. kind of come out the other side to go, what'd you say? <laughs> God damn it. I hate when I miss those. I, I, I really want to know that if it's not me adding something into a, a creative brainstorm session or yeah. even in this maker community at large, like if I'm not offering anything that is breaking the mold and the most unique thing you've ever seen, at least there's something in the technique or I can offer some type of value, which is why I'm even sharing it. I haven't been filming any of this woodwork stuff because to me, none of this stuff means anything. Like it's just plugging rectangles together with screws and going, yeah, it's done. I don't think I have any approach to technique on this. I don't think any of this takes a certain degree of talent. I think maybe the way it's going to look when it finished, when it's finished, will be like, hey, that's a cool look. But you guys have also seen it a hundred times before. If you've been following me, I take wood and then I make it black. Because sometimes I like how wood looks, and then other times I just want black, and I found some cheap wood to make the thing that I'm making. So I, I don't know really the. <laughs> I'm losing my point here, but I've just got bit visions of you in that tiny little room at Laura's, where I'm like, Brett, what, what, what color <laughs> should we paint the legs? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Black. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> black. Oh, I still can't believe I got copyright claimed for that usage of fashion yeah. um but i i guess i want to know kind of from your guys's perspective like what is it is it easy for you two to see like the jester coming in to try and fool everybody whether it is a product or a person are you able to see that quickly or do you also find yourselves getting kind of roped in every now and then and then how so, do you pull yourself the fuck away? I have two things. So one of them is the answer to that question. And the other one is I very quickly just want to say that I disagree with what you just said about you not having value to add to stuff, even because you don't necessarily know the techniques and stuff like that. It's like the amount of videos you've put out uh, where you haven't, known the technique properly whether that's making a pizza oven or forging something or woodworking or what are you trying to say about my forging or whatever huh? don't hold back steve <laughs> i i knew it was gonna come Wait, you know your one. videos that you put where you don't know what they fucking do it <laughs> but the value in each one of those is the creativity it's that's what people are watching for like that that's why they watch your stuff like it's the the value that you add is not the it's exactly what you were talking about earlier on. It's not the technique. It's not the the initial idea. It's the way that you use it. It's that creativity. So I think you would be wrong to say that you aren't filming stuff because you don't have anything to add to it because you do have something to add to it by virtue of being you. Like that's, that is your, your value. Your value is yourself, your creativity. Um, in terms of answering the question, 
I have forgotten the question because I got distracted by Al playing with his. I said, beard. "How quickly?" Oh yeah, yeah. How can, can you can recognize, recognize the, the fool jester? or the foolish product or the jester? Right, the yeah. guy trying to fool everybody. Uh, it depends entirely on my experience with the thing at hand. Like there is, there is, there is a bunch of shit that I know nothing about. And if someone came in and told me that the sky was green, I'd be going. That doesn't sound right, but you seem really confident. So I'm going to give you a minute to explain yourself. Like, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would, I'm, I think I'm fairly, a fairly good judge of character. And I would hope that I'd be able to, to suss them out. But if I don't have any experience with it, I'm, I'm not, I, I know that I'm not going to, I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm not going to recognize it straight away and be like, I see what you're doing with that thing that I have no concept of. Like it, it's just not going to work like that for me. If it's something that I know something about, then if someone comes up and tries selling me on the fact that Damascus is the best steel ever and blah, 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 then I've got enough experience where I can tell and go, well, no, here's a list of reasons why you're wrong and go away. But yeah, I, it, for, for me, I think it here's depends entirely on my experience. Here's a list of reasons why you're wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, it depends entirely on my experience of the, the doodad. Whereas I, on the other hand, can I'm I'm doodad agnostic, right? <laughs> so I can smell the bullshit regardless of the subject matter. If I even if I don't know anything about it, I know when somebody's trying to fool. However, I too am going to push back on you, Brett, because I think there is talent in the salesmanship, even if they're yeah. an arsehole, and even if they're the bad guy, and even if they're the guy taking advantage of everyone, it's still an art form, and it still yeah. takes some level of skill to you know steve jobs didn't build computers <laughs> right <laughs> steve jobs was just a really really good salesman who sold people shit that they didn't want so it's about even if even if it's bad there is still merit in that and talent in that even mm. if it's wrong and you hate it and you can smell it a mile off and you want to like it's me it's me and you want to kind of like, make people know don't fall for it you know dear masses don't fall for it but they're gonna because that yeah. the person that's taken advantage of them is talented there's i agree with that fully um and definitely didn't see it when i was talking about it but you're right there's something to be said about the ability to either sell yourself or whatever the product is that you're throwing out which is why but, the, the the analogy of the snake oil salesman, right? You're like, that's just that's just old shampoo that he's selling everybody as a hair tonic. And it was all the show. It was the ability to sell it. It does take yeah. talent. But it is the ability to be a good salesman mean that you're fooling the masses. So like for example, I when I used to work behind the bar, I was fucking great at upselling. Someone could come up and order two drinks and they'd end up walking away with six drinks and 40 shots like it like, that's just taking advantage I, of drunk people steve that's horrible <laughs> i know uh i'm pretty sure that's the, what we do the in England. description of um, bartender yeah but uh but yeah like i don't necessarily think that that's someone like someone being a good salesman is not necessarily fooling the masses i think a lot of it is about fooling people into thinking they want something that they don't necessarily want but I don't know. I, I I took the question as a different thing. Like I, I it's because you weren't listening. I think there's this fucking. It's true. Uh, it's because you were playing with your beard. Um, 
like I think there's a difference between someone being a good salesperson and someone being dishonest in what they're selling um, and trying to sell something that's not necessarily worth it. Because um, there's, there's products out there that are worth um, buying into and they're, they're I don't I don't quite know how to to word it, but like they're they're good things. They're things that you should want to buy into, um, like fucking charity and human rights and shit like that. Like they still have to be sold to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that says it all, though, doesn't it? Yeah. And 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 I, and and to me, the salesman yeah. is the is the protagonist, is the antagonist. Like I don't think of a sommelier as a salesman. I no. think of them as someone passionate who is helping you on your adventure mm-hmm. they're, yeah. they're, they're the little the little, yeah, the little character I mean. in the video game that's that's helping you on your journey you might have to throw yeah. them a, a gold coin or two but they're not trying to sell you wine when you didn't want wine like i want wine that's why i want to speak to the sommelier yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i suppose that's yeah. Mm. yeah i yeah think about think about those times you walked up to a stall at a market and you're just like i am here to buy a spoon. I'm like, well, you've come to the right place. I'm like, have I? Tell me more. And then that person's just got a really good way of, there you go. They've got a really good way of selling their product. But Steve, if you walked up to this and even just embraced the moment, embrace the adventure of the person going, ah, oh, these are the best spoons ever. Let me tell you why. <laughs> They're made out of high carbon steel, oh. hand forged, all these things. And you just go, oh. spoons. All right. Well, <laughs> here's where you're wrong. You know, you don't necessarily want to walk into it and be that guy, but I there's there's some pride to be taken in in smelling the bullshit as as Al says, yeah. but I do have a really bad habit of being like uh what, even at the antique things that I always reference. I'll go to a flea market and someone will be like, "Hmm, let me tell you why this is the greatest thing and why it's worth a lot of money. I just I love hearing them out because I want to hear their sales pitch. Yeah. And then, you know, these funny times is when they're completely lying to you. Oh. Uh, but I still love hearing it out. Maybe maybe that's like the social experiment. I kind of want to learn more about the people that have developed a talent in salesmanship. Mm. I don't know. Spinning words and, and making people excited, getting people excited about the thing that's not really different than the other thing, four stalls down. But they know how to sell it to you. Yeah. Oh, that's so intriguing. <laughs> Why do I like yeah. that so much? But then but then that's that's the thing, is I, I would argue that if you if you recognize it and you do smell the bullshit, then they're not that good at, at selling you. Like someone that's good at, at selling you bullshit, you don't realize it's bullshit until three days later when you look in the bag and go why the fuck did i buy this like yeah i think if you if you can smell it then they're they're not that good at it like if they were (laughs) better at it you wouldn't you wouldn't know until after you bought Mm -hmm. it like yeah okay i okay so when it comes to your own work using us three as examples right we're talking about our own stuff now we've talked plenty about you know, creating a high value for the things that you make, whether it's for yourself or other people, you have high quality control. You try not to fool anybody. Steve, you made that ax. You could have totally 
put solder in it like Al did and given it mm. to the person and be like, they're not going to know any better, you know, but you knew better. You knew better and you're not trying to fool anybody. So if we are trying to create this very healthy group of people in the fool's extended universe, TM, the five thirds podcast that established that we have the fool's extended universe which I think is fantastic because I just want Al to make a poster of as many people <laughs> as characters in Marvel as we can. I call Gambit. Um, what do you, what advice do you think can be offered outwards to, you know, the people that want to produce things, whether it's videos or products or social media posts, reels, I don't give a shit whatever you make, but also yourself. You don't want to fool anybody. I don't, I don't want anybody coming into the fools with tools universe and then snake oil salesing us. I think Al would figure that out pretty quick or John. John is just <laughs> brutal. Love him. But how do we, how do we make sure that we're catering to that within our little worlds that we're creating with the clients that we have or the work that we do? I don't know. How do you maintain a moral compass when it seems like there are kind of easy outs or there are ways to just, Steve, you could make probably a load of things that are like forge offshoots. You just tweak them just minimal because you know how to do it because you've made thousands of Mm -hmm. these things at this point. You could do that and start offering them for 10 pounds less than what Alex sells them for. And just do that. And you'd probably get away with it for a while. I don't know if there was any, if, if Alex would come down on you, that's a large man to have get mad at you. But Al, I feel like you could do that too with clients. It's just like, oh, hey, just take that thing that we made for the other people and then just like change the colors and a couple of the text. Things. But this is, this, I've written this in my notes. <clears throat> 95% of my clients just want the thing that the masses are, you know, it's like, Mm. Our competitors are already doing this, so we need to do it. Like, no, 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 no. In no way is that a way to run a business. Yeah. <laughs> Playing so those people are and... actively seeking out that cycle that you talked about yeah, at the beginning yeah. of the episode. Yeah, because it's, it's safe to people. Mm. You know, the, without, you know, poo-pooing the masses, that's what they want. They want comfort. They don't yeah. like niche. They don't like different. They don't like uncomfortable, unknown um, things that are scary. We yeah. thrive on it, but as a whole, psychohistory will tell you, you know, they, they want one thing. So there was, they want uh, fucking the surfboard chopping boards. <laughs> there was a, there was a bar in in Yeovil uh, that used to be called Woods. It's called Wood, Woods Wine Bar. Uh, it was renowned for being the place that yeah. It there was there was a live band most weekends um like just like indie jazz like chilled easily listening stuff like nothing particularly offensive or anything like that um like there was a, a jazz jam night uh on a tuesday and a blues one on a wednesday or something like that like it was there was always music going on it was always um less than mainstream stuff that was going on there um lots of cocktails lots of like the beer was really nice beer um, I mean, this like they had Red Stripe on tap when no one else had even heard of Red Stripe, sort of thing. Like it was, it was a really nice place to be. Um, 
and uh, and the guy that was running it had a very successful business. The only reason he stopped being successful is because he was basically taking money out of the till. Um, and he moved on and went into a different uh, career. The person that took it over after him was the guy that owned the building um, who just decided, well, this business is doing quite well. This seems fairly easy. I'm just going to take it on. I, I can do this. And he had his um, his staff were, like the, all the staff that were there, he basically had them just running the joint. Um, and it ticked over. It did all right. Um, things started to decline because there was no innovation. There was nothing new happening. There was no bands being booked, really. It was just like the same three or four bands that would come along once every few months um, rather than like someone actively seeking these new bands to come in. Um, and it kind of stagnated. It was still doing well. It still was full up every weekend. Um, the same people still drank there. It, it was really good. Um, it just wasn't expanding. Um, and this new owner decided that uh, it wasn't quite good enough and he was getting a bit jealous of the people the fact that we we would close at say we'd probably start closing up around half 12 have everyone out by half one um lockdown and finish by two o'clock um and most of the other places were open for another hour or two after that um and in his head that was like that's well that's nearly two hours of money that we're missing out on like we should be uh, getting these people in so we started opening later but everyone was still leaving by 12 half 12 because the crowd that we had in just kind of wanted to go home then and all that was happening is we were getting people that were already very drunk that weren't allowed to get in anywhere else or didn't want to go in anywhere else uh coming in there but they they weren't the same crowd so they were requesting different drinks they were complaining about the prices of the drinks they were um complaining about the music and they wanted different music so the owner decided that he was going to start putting the same music on as was on in every other bar in town and he was going to start getting the same drinks as every other bar in town and basically just became an amalgamation of what all the other bars in town were like and ended up with everyone that used to go there just didn't go there anymore because they didn't like it uh the new people didn't go there because it was still a bit pricier than everywhere else and everywhere else was already doing what they were trying to do and doing it better and were more established and had more space and um and he just en basically ended up with the dregs he ended up with the people that couldn't get in anywhere else or didn't want to go anywhere else because he was trying to cater to the masses he was trying to do what everyone else was doing um he had a, a wonderful unique niche bar and destroyed it by trying to cater to the masses and i think that's like there is nothing wrong with going you know what i'm gonna be the next weatherspoons and go i mean there is something wrong with being weatherspoons but that's a whole different story um but there is nothing wrong with going i'm just gonna do really cheap booze really cheap food i'm gonna have no music because i don't want to pay for a license for music and i'm just gonna treat it like a cattle market like if that's what you want to do fine but be true to that be like commit to that do that 100 percent. same if if you want to make videos and you want to make money from it and you want to have a shade rather right fucking raid shadow legends readout every video 
fucking totally. do it. Like more more power to you. Like I I have no problem with anyone that does it. Like if that's what you want to do, fucking do it and just be honest about the fact that you're doing it. If you want to be like and if you're trying to make money through doing YouTube, to a certain extent, you're gonna have to do that. If you're trying to do it as your your full time gig, like if you're trying to do like Brett and actually do this for a living, sometimes you've got to do that. And Brett's always been very honest about the fact that like when he's doing a read, like he has to he has to do it. Um, like and there is no um, as long as nobody's trying to be like, oh yeah, well this like <laughs> if you're doing that, just be honest about doing it. But if you don't want to do that and you want to be, I'm, do, I'm going to do this true to the craft, I'm going to do everything in the artisan way and I'm going to just do what I want, then just fucking do it. And don't don't expect to make huge amounts of money from it. Don't expect to make any money from it. Do it for the passion of doing it. Do it because you want to do it. Don't do it and expect to get that fucking huge influx of, of money at the same time. Like I, I'm not saying you can't do both but just be honest about what you're doing and, and do be what you want to do. Yeah. Do, do you want to explain just that one? Be, the first person that okay. came to my head, it's like, <laughs> do what you fucking want, do something different, do something interesting and unique, have a craft, yeah. Uh, yeah. perfect it, and be creative. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't... And if that's, what, if that's not what you want to do, and you want to do mass like mass videos that are going to go viral and be the next Mr. Beast and fucking do it. More power to you. Just be honest about what you're doing because at the end of the day, doing that is spiffing. People that we think that are spiffing. In which case, Al, have you got an order? Yes, abs abs which means you're first so are we on it's fucking on um i would like to spiff guillermo del toro's adaptation of the fable pinocchio so there are three pinocchio films out this year <laughs> one really? of which is a very obscure russian adaptation basically it's like the classic oh shit it's in the public domain anyone yeah. can make peter pan um of course yeah the other is the inevitable saccharine Disney live-action remake of the same horrible Disney film that it was originally. Yeah. And the third is a film that Del Toro has been trying to make for about 20 years, I think, um, and has just been in constant like uh, development hell because nobody wants to make a, um, a stop-motion film because it requires talent and uh, money and patience. Yeah. Um, but... Our friends at the Jim Henson Production Company thought this is a fucking good idea. So there is a in November or December they call it holiday season, whatever. On Netflix, there is Pinocchio coming out. I just just a hear a cat in the background. There's um, Pinocchio is coming out and it looks glorious and it's going to be a depressing, violent, brutal Brothers Grimm, Del Toro take on the on the story, and I can't wait. Can you? Can you just keep talking for another one minute forty while I watch the trailer? <laughs> well, I haven't got any choice because Jazz is on the keyboard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm up next uh, anyway, Steve. So. Yeah, I know, but I'm gonna have to search for yours when you say it as well. Uh, but yeah, just literally just from the first like five seconds of the trailer, I'm excited. It looks amazing. I really like that art style. 
I'm going to watch this entire trailer once we get So um, it's got Ron Perlman in it, Tilda Swinton, Ewan McGregor, Christoph Waltz, uh, half the cast of every Coen Brothers film ever made. Um, (laughs) I just can't wait. Yeah, I'm already very excited about this. I can't believe I didn't Can we appreciate also that based on everything that we just talked about and how you like, you're not trying to fool anybody, doing genuine shit, leaning into it. Del Toro has been doing Del Toro forever. And look at the people that are like ready to sign on to work with him because he just, it doesn't matter what he's put out. He's had some wins and he's had some losses, but I think enough people just go, this guy's fucking real and I want to work with him and I don't care what the project is. We'll give it a shot. So to to give some, some context to that, Brett, um, it was in production hell for ages. Uh, there's two other Pinocchio films coming out this year. Um, no studio, no studio wanted to touch it. Uh, and the entire film, bear in mind, it's a stop motion film, cost thirty five million dollars to make. So you know that none of those fucking actors have taken any fee for being yeah. in this film. Jesus and I Christ. can't I begin feel like Tilda, to Tilda Swinton and Christoph Waltz could cost that well and i can't begin McGregor. to imagine how much how much does the disney f- version cost that will be a th- 200 yeah. 300 million dollar budget including yeah marketing and will be shit well hold on yeah. hold on hold on i know this because in a, in a divine sense of the way that the world works i was listening to how did this get made which is one of my favorite little silly movie podcasts they just recently did pinocchio from the 90s with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Mm-hmm. And I think that had a $30 million budget in 96. Take it. And that movie is a fever dream nightmare <laughs> of like way too early CG and like some really, really gross visuals for what was a children's <laughs> movie. And I, I, I think it maybe broke even at the box office, but it was a bad movie that cost... Not that, not that much to make. Mm. Um, so yeah, now even with inflation and the actors that you have involved, that movie should cost twenty yeah. times that much. Yeah. Wow. 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 Um. Yeah. Uh, Brett. Oh, wait. What about you? So yeah, during my fever dreams that I was having, uh, YouTube and all of its weird algorithmic glory decided to suggest a channel to me that i'd never heard of so this is another one of those like decent size this one's i think he's got four hundred thousand or something um his name is Bo miles and he's australian b-e-a-u he has had a channel for a while and it seems like he produces videos kind of whenever he feels like it but maybe monthly Mm. And he kind of touts this, he's an adventurer, but it's not oversold. None of it is fake as far as I can tell. I mean, he he films himself doing the majority of it. Uh, If you want a gimmicky first video to watch, you can do one of his recent ones where he ate his body weight in beans, where he just (laughs) had beans, cans of beans, not cooked for 40 days, days. not cooked, not spiced, not anything. But he was running and seeing what just eating beans would do because he's a super active guy. Uh, yeah. 
But he has these ways of doing these adventure videos where it's like the adventure in your backyard. He wrote a book called The Backyard Adventure, I think. Um, he's a great writer, super sharp, has a PhD, I think. He just got his PhD recently. He teaches at, at a school down there. And as far as I can tell, he doesn't have that same kind of hippie adventure. Like somehow he has enough money to go and do all these crazy things and, and wow, doesn't his lifestyle look amazing? And he also sells you on that. This is very yeah. much just honesty about who he is. He doesn't even say like, people should live like me. More people should do what I do and run 26 miles a week. You know, all the, none of that never sells it on that. But he yeah. does make it a point to say like he kayaks down a river because he's like, I don't even think anyone knows this river exists anymore. And he calls it sick because it's polluted yeah. and it's all bad. So he brings trash bags with him and like fills them up and goes and recycles everything. So he has this like trying to do better for the world, make people more aware of things, but it's never force fed and he doesn't really get on a soapbox about it. I think he has a really great way of narrating and delivering the information he's talking about. And for any of those folks that like get away from the maker stuff, get away from the products we talk about, just life, life in general. Like Steve, you're going through a big change right now. Last eight months for me has been pretty altering. And Al, I know your life has been a constant adventure. And I think the way this guy approaches putting his videos out, talking about what he's doing and why it's, there's something very beautiful about it and, and aspirational. And I don't necessarily want to say inspiration. Like I have no desire to run a marathon. I don't ever want to do that, but I enjoyed him telling the story about it. Yeah. Um, I, just this I quite like the way that his, his uh, cover thing says oddball films released often enough. Like, Oh, and they're often, he's, enough. it doesn't, doesn't matter. Like, like as that. an american you know a non-australian to me he's like quintessential what i would think of as just like backyard australian guy he's he's a ginger mm. he's super built he's he's crazy built because he like makes all of his own. he has some making videos in there too where he builds stuff um mm. but he just it doesn't seem like there's any ego attached to it and i really appreciate it because yeah. it is way not what i was looking for this is what we were going back to talking about the markets I didn't know I was going to walk up to this market stall and now I'm in like I'm hooked <laughs> and, and I really like he could sell me a carrot from his backyard and be like, I don't, it's not even the best carrot. You just have carrots and I like what you're about. Yeah. So Steve, I think you might appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already looking at like looking through his videos being like i want to watch that one then i want to watch that one then i want to watch that one and i quite like the fact that he's got some that are like 10 minutes and then others that are like an hour long and yeah know. and while i was in and out of consciousness i would just start one of the long ones and then like as i doze off i'd pause wake up watch a little bit more of it or whatever again like super out of left field i don't i wouldn't typically seek out this kind of stuff but it was really intriguing to me and I appreciate, yeah. after everything that we talked about this episode, I appreciate finding something like that where it doesn't seem like he's trying to fool anybody into anything. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, shit. I just remember the last time I had food poisoning was at Laura's and I spent the entire day watching... Um, you did. Fuck. Uh, the cocktail guy. Fuck, I'd completely forgotten about that. 
I felt so shit that day. Um, but yeah, no, that's a really good shout. I'm definitely going to watch a few of those videos because they look good. Um, it's me next. Yes, sorry, it's me. Um, so I am... Um, I'm actually going to spiff a maker uh, that I am currently following Instagram. Are you saying a uh, filmmaker have... and a YouTuber that makes things aren't makers? <laughs> or are you saying for your own sake that you haven't done one? Well, okay, I see. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Yeah, I haven't done one. Yeah, it's fine. Please. I made it about uh, me, Steve. I'm sorry. We... <laughs> uh, I mean, I, there was there was another option. I was going to, like, before I remembered that I'd saved this spiffy earlier on. Uh, and whilst I was trying to make some food before we recorded, I was going to spiff cheese on toast because I fucking love cheese on toast. It's good. Um, but no, I'm going <sighs> to spiff this guy. Um, and it's Mill Madness. Uh, he is a German guy who has a sort of water wheel powered sawmill, um, which was literally enough for me to go, I'm going to follow you. Uh, I've not watched any of his videos yet. There's uh, a handful of them on YouTube. He's only got uh, like 350 subscribers, like nothing huge. Um, but he's he's a friend of, of one of my friends. Um so my friend Stace put up a uh, a memory of um, a conversation that she'd had with me. Uh, I think it was about 10 years ago. And the, the memory or the, the conversation or the quote, sorry, was um, see if you can guess who this was. And the quote was, uh, don't come to me talking about music and expect me to know uh, what the fuck you're talking about. Unless it's got trumpets or bagpipes, it can fuck right. off. Uh, and weirdly enough everybody guessed it was me um, but yeah so he commented on that as well which was enough to make me go I don't know who you are and looked at him and then saw that his like on Facebook his profile said about being a um, YouTuber which I was like huh and had a look and looked into it and yeah like his Instagram is very cool makes like just simple products a lot of the stuff that we've actually been talking about like simple um easily marketable products um and yeah he's he's doing it out of a a workshop with a sawmill uh with a sawmill with a water wheel which obviously gets my vote um and yeah i just like i like the fact that he's seems like a really nice guy uh and i want to send some love his way so yeah mill madness on instagram and youtube um i do have another little side spiff uh which is side quest on youtube and it's like little short little videos like sub 10 minutes normally about six minutes long of um just like little random history facts and stuff like that but presented in a cartoony way with a fun presenter like cartoon presenter and it's yeah just fun little history facts and side quest is is quite fun it's just popped up on my feed a few times recently and i've enjoyed it and it's called so, side quest side quest that's why i said that's why i said you're side quest like four times quest. you're a side quest uh <laughs> such a tit uh yeah that's it so is there any other business yep. 
Al, what is your other uh, Disney? It's gone off the bottom of my shots. Hang on. Oh, right. Uh, anyone that's a fan of dinosaurs, aka everyone, um, if you're in London, Dippy has returned to the Natural History Museum. Hey, you don't know what that means. Dippy was in Dorchester. Dippy was all around the country, but he's yeah. back, baby. If you don't know what that means, this AOB is not for you. But if you no. miss Dippy, he's back. Yeah. Yeah, I was really upset because I didn't know he was in Dorchester until like two days before he was gone. And I didn't get to see him in Dorchester. <sighs> and I was very upset. Um, I have a little bit of AOB, which is the fact that um, the phenomenally popular uh, TV show uh, QI, um, which I don't know if you guys get in the States. I've watched um, but yeah, <clears throat> I know. Well, I know you would have watched loads of it because you're a wonderful human. Um, but the nicest thing uh, Steve said to me in a while. Somebody record that. Write that down. <laughs> um, but yeah, QI. When they first did it, they said that it would be no one would watch it. It was too niche, and it would never be a successful program because it was, um, yeah, too niche and too intelligent, and people wouldn't enjoy it. People wanted short boring shitty shit shows like fucking love shitty island and shit that. Shows. so shitty shit shows so i just want to use that as an example to say that just because some fucking executive or some fucking expert thinks that something isn't marketable to the masses doesn't mean they're right ignore them do whatever the fuck you want to do because you are fucking wonderful each and every one of you uh and that's it. So, if you want to find us, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metalworks. You can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13. And you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Go on. You can oh, do it. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Ah, fuck. Uh, and if you want to find us as a group, then you can find us at uh, Fools of Tools or FTT Podcast. Uh, if you want to email us, I haven't actually said about this in a long time, but if you ever did want to drop us an email, then we do have an email address. It's hello at fwtpodcast.com um, because all I get at the moment are spam emails. And it's... I want someone to send us an, e- an, an an electronic mail and we'll read it out on air next week. Will we? You can read I, it out I would air. love not going to... for emails to be a thing where we actually get to like talk about emails that we get. Because I can barely talk, let alone read and talk. It's, I can't do that shit. Al's um, through voice reading emails. Yes, yeah. please. So yeah, there you go. Um, Make a new jingle for it. So email of the week. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, uh, do whatever. It's not you like you're going to do it anyway, Steve. Stars. It's all on us. Whatever, we'll do it. It does. <laughs> Get us out. Fuck. Get us out. <laughs> I was trying to, and you keep fucking interrupting. Jesus. Are you riding a floor polisher? Oh. (laughs) Of course. Just cabbage Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. uh, Until next time, we love you. I can only apologize for the last hour of your lives. Um, But, yeah. We love you. We see you later.